So we want to be focused on Jesus for all of our lives, but particularly at Christmas, where Christmas itself can be a, a distraction to us. And so we're focusing on Isaiah chapter 9, uh, 6 and 7. And so let's read that out together. So, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his throne, establishing and... Justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So let's go back because some of us didn't get it right the first time. So, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. So, a bit of history, a bit of background. So, um, God's people had been having a difficult time. A once great nation of Israel had become a tiny uh, people. Uh, a people that were torn apart by civil war. So you had um, the ten tribes of Israel in the north and then the two tribes of Judah in the south. A family, a people of God, torn apart. Not only were they tearing one another apart internally, externally they were oppressed by powerful nations. And really the people could be characterised in the main by them living their lives in disobedient to Yahweh. They had poor, weak, wicked leadership. They were in a mess. They couldn't see things getting any better. However, good news through the prophet Isaiah was brought to them. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress in the past. He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nataphali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. So great hope for the ten tribes of Israel. And at the same time that Isaiah was prophesying, so there was another guy called Micah, like the name. And Micah was prophesying. And um, at the same time, he was giving a different word. He was saying, 
but you, Bethlehem. So there was a word from Isaiah to the north, and now here's a word from Micah to the south. But Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, ones whose origins are from of old and from ancient times. So two prophets, two different words, one saying, look to the north, look to the north, look to Galilee, the light has come, and one saying, look to the south, look to Bethlehem, Um, a ruler is coming. So thing is this, were they contradictory words? Were they two words from two different prophets telling two different things? Or were they to be fulfilled by the one true Messiah? Where was Jesus born? Where did Jesus do a lot of his ministry? Awesome. So, giving hope to people in dark days. But, you know, when we are in need of hope and when days are dark... When do we want the response to come? Instantly. If you're stuck at the side of a motorway and you're waiting for the recovery vehicle to come and get you, you want it to come straight away. You don't want to wait an hour or two hours or three hours. But what about waiting around 700 years? Oh God, won't you come now? Come soon. And yet we wait and we wait. But God is saying this, that he will bring a king who will rule his people with supernatural wisdom, supernatural power, supernatural love, supernatural peace. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One of God is coming. Here's the promise. And it's the good news of our king and his kingdom. When Jesus comes to rule and reign, it is good news for everyone. When Jesus isn't ruling and reigning, it is bad news. And so, um, this Jesus, Messiah, he will be called Everlasting Father. What? But you just said he was a son. You said a child will be born to us. A son's given to us. But this son will be an everlasting father to us. So this um, word, everlasting, let me see, everlasting, there it is, is translated from the Hebrew, and it means this, for all time, forever, without end, For all time, forever, without end. And there we've got this everlasting Father, this descriptive word describing the Father. The Father is going to be everlasting, all time, forever, without end. So probably best translated as forever, sorry, as Father, forever. Father, forever. A father without end. The emphasis is on looking forward, beyond. So the everlasting father, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, will be a father, a father. And his fatherhood will be without end. He's not the father, 
He's a father. So, the Hebrew word for, for father is used in a, um, a literal sense, in a biological sense. So, meaning father, you've produced offspring, you've had children, or even grandfather. But also, the, the Hebrew word father is used in the figurative sense. So, father being a title of respect. So, um, for a governor, or for a prophet, or for a priest, it might ind- indicate that the sort of love and respect a servant would have for their master, calling the master my father. It was also used to indicate the founder of a, tri- a group, a tribe, a family, and it was all- also used to mean originator or founder, the source of something. So in Genesis um, 4 and 12, it says, um, it says I'm not, I don't think I've got the... No. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so um, it tells us this, that Jubal was the father of all who play the harp and the flute. Now, he didn't run around impregnating people and then they got children who played the flute and harp. It's in that figurative sense that, look, he is the originator, he's the beginner, he's the first musician. So you all thought it was Ken Bartels was the first musician, but no, it was Jubal. And so that, so that word father can mean your biological father, literally, or one who is like the head of a household or a clan, the chief, the beginning of something, a father. And many rulers in ancient times were considered father of the country. In ancient times, people were called the father of a nation. Um, America, is, what do they call them? They call them the founding fathers. Um, so they're viewed in a similar way to a father of a family, in that <clears throat> the father is there to protect and provide. And so a couple of examples from the book of Genesis. So Abraham, in Genesis um, 17, God says to Abraham, This is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many nations. I have made you to be a father of many nations. So not a literal biological father, but an absolutely important father figure to many. Joseph, interesting one. Near the end of Joseph's life, um, all his brothers have come back to him and they're all like, oh, and he's going, look, you know, God's done this. And he says this, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh. So basically he's saying, God has made me a father to the king of Egypt. So Joseph was not Pharaoh's biological father, was he? But rather he had a relationship of trust, of honour, of great influence over Pharaoh and over the entire nation of Egypt. And in the same way, this child to be born will become a king, a ruler, a leader, who will be father to the children of Israel. He will protect and provide for them. And it will not be limited by his ageing or by death. His role as father will continue forever. This father 
is a forever father. Father forever, without end. He is durable. He is dependable. He will not perish. He will not spoil. He will not fade. He will last. I remember an old advert on the telly. Uh, for Scotch videotapes. And there was an image of a skeleton. And they sang the song, re-record, not fade away. Re-record, not fade away. But of course, videotapes did fade away. They have faded away. So what a lie. They weren't lasting. They weren't durable. I mean, there are even people who don't even know what a videotape is nowadays. So they've faded out of existence because of progress and time. You know, video may well have killed the radio star, but progress and time have killed the videotape. And progress and time will cause things to die, but not this king. You know, my daughter Gemma, she, she often says to me, with, with a sad face, she says, Dad, you're looking grey. She even thinks this jumper, this particular colour, makes me look even greyer. And she says, Dad, you're looking grey. Is that not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dad, you're getting old, she says. I don't like it. I don't like you getting old. Stop it. Stop it now. Stop getting old. So she doesn't allow me to get old, is what she's saying. Now, I take that as as she's loving me, she doesn't want me to pop my clogs. She doesn't want me to go. She wants me to remain. She wants me to stay. But we all know the truth. I won't be here all the time. Like, the earth is going to, one day, this body will get really old, hopefully. This body will die. This body will perish. This body will spoil. This body will fade. But I thank God for Jesus. One day, because I trust in him, I will get a new body. I will have a new home to live in. I will be with God. And there will be no more pain or sorrow or mourning or death. The old order of things has gone. The new has come. I will be in that garden city with my God. Hallelujah. So we haven't got a problem with the future, but we might have a few uh, in the here and now. Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed king, is an everlasting father forever. He has no end. Jesus is the king who treats his people more like children than subjects. Jesus is the king who treats his his people more like children than citizens. It is true that we are God's subjects. He's our God. He's the king. It is true that we are citizens of heaven. This is not our home. This is our temporary assignment. But what's more important is that we know that we are God's children. We've sung about it so much today, that we are chosen, dearly loved, wanted, accepted, adopted. That includes everyone in this room. You're not so special that God would not choose you. Yeah? Why, why would he not choose you out of everyone? To shower his love 
and blessing on. His desire is relationship. He wants you. He wants you. He has chased after you. He has hunted you down. He has got your attention. He's tapped you on the shoulder. God wants you and wants you as his child. He wants you to be born again by the Spirit so that you can be in an intimate, loving, safe fellowship, relationship with, with Father. Now, I've been talking and we've been a lot about Father. And I'm conscious that many of us have what is often called as a father wound. We have been damaged in some way by our earthly father. We might find it difficult to struggle, or difficult to struggle, relate with an everlasting father or a heavenly father because of our past experience with our earthly father. Even if we've had the best father in the world, hey Gemma, the chances are I have caused hurt and pain and problems for my daughter with the best will in the world. So it's not a time for having a go at or slagging off our parents or our fathers, but it's just being honest with ourselves that actually I've been hurt I've been damaged. Now, some of us have had really good experiences with our earthly father. Some of us have had really bad experiences and some in between. Some fathers we know. Some fathers are unknown to us. Some of us have lost our fathers through death. Some of us have lost our fathers because they've left. Some of our fathers are, stop it, are absent even though they're there. Because they're preoccupied, they're distracted, they're caught up with other things. And when we want their time and attention, they're just not there for us. So our fathers, earthly fathers, can be absent, not present. And so we are affected by that mentally, emotionally, maybe physically, spiritually. And our Father God, our eternal Father, our Father forever, wants to bring healing to our lives, wants to cause the pain and the hurt, however much we've shoved it down or put it to one side, he wants to bring healing to us. And the problem is, is when we get things and we shove them to one side, we keep them down, they pop up. They might pop up in our dreams, nightmares, in our sleep, but we don't deal with them. And the best thing to do is actually, in a safe place, with a safe God, with safe people, is go there. Go there. Face our darkest, deepest pains and sorrows and go there. Get help. Mourn your loss and allow God to bring healing to them. To us, If we don't deal with them, they just stay there. They don't go away. Time is not a healer. God is a healer. Time doesn't. Time masks things. But God heals things. And so my prayer is for us today that as we're speaking and afterwards in prayer, that God would bring healing to our lives. 
that he would minister his grace even now, that his power would come. Like he knows you. He knows what is needed. He knows the words that have been spoken over you. He gets it. He understands. He cries with you. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would minister to us even now, in this moment, with your supernatural love and power and care and wisdom. Have your way and bring peace to our hearts, we pray. Come, Lord God. So, what does a good father look like? What does a good father do? I've had some thoughts. Well, a good father is there. A good father cares, loves, protects, provides security, provides, well, provides, 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 offers guidance, advice, support, brings discipline, brings some correction, some rebuke, some encouragement, some enabling to us to do for us to become the more that's in the Father's heart. For us to be able to do those things we never thought we'd be able to do. To do the things that we were made to do, created for. And you know, God is a good Father. Struggle is, is invisible. But he does bring other people into our lives to be a father figure to us. That there's a grace anointing on people to be a father to others. And it's got nothing to do with age. You know, you can have a younger person fathering an older person in the kingdom of God. Because of where they're at with the Lord and the grace upon them. And where that person's at, you know. God wants to bring healing of father wounds in a moment, in a touch, but through godly relationships as well. Fathers. We need fathers. Everybody in this room needs a father. We don't grow out of our need to, be, to have a father because God is father. He's made us to be in need of him. Jesus walked on the earth knowing his need of his father looking, praying, walking on the earth, but relating to his father, only doing what he saw his father doing. Only fathers do good in that relationship. That's what he wants for us. So good fathers do good things for us. But at the time, it may not feel very good. At the time, it might feel difficult. At the time, you might go, why are you asking me to do that? I don't want to do that. Discipline doesn't always seem to be a good, nice thing. There's the, the rebuke, the telling off, but also discipline is encouraging as well. Let me illustrate in this way. I love teaching people to ride bicycles. When you've got kids and they can't ride a bicycle, to get to the end of the time and they're riding their bicycle, awesome. I get such a kick out of it. So you're there, you're hands-on, you're encouraging, you're, you're helping them to find their feet, their balance, you're there with them. You're, you're holding them. You're touching them. You're holding the bike. You're, yeah, don't put your foot down. Push, push, push. Harder. Go faster. No. Oh, don't fall off. So 
In all of this, you are bringing your love, your care, your being there, your presence. And then that glorious moment where you run out of run and they're off on their bike. And you're just going, wow, they can do it now. See, a father wants to release. A father wants his child to go much further, much, much more betterer than whatever he did. Not squash them down, not hold them back, not be jealous of them, not live their life through them, but release them. Be all that you've been made to be. That is a good father. And that is what our Father Forever does for us. Proverbs says, My son, we can extend my daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he hates and doesn't like. (laughs) Now you're meant to go, no! The Lord disciplines those he... The Lord disciplines those he... He loves. As a father, the son, he delights in. So he's delighting in his child. I love you so much. And so I'm going to bring discipline into your life. Because I love you so much. Because I want the best for you. Because I don't want you to be stuck there. Because I don't want you to fall back there. Because I want you to ride the bike. And know joy and freedom and delight. And I'm not there, but I am there. You're going for it. That's what I want for you. And so often we can be impatient. We want to do the things that God wants us to do. And yet things are stopping us or people are stopping us or life. And it's like, God, what is really going on here? What is really happening? Is this the discipline of God that I need to embrace a godly boundary? Or is this the work of the evil one? that I need to fight against and push through and overcome. Discernment is crucial because what you don't want to do is be kicking against your father. Not a good look. But it's fine in Jesus' name to kick the enemy in the teeth. But we've got to know which one is which. And so we need to learn and grow in trust and allow that trust to... um, just to grow and grow. So we just go, he's good, he loves me, he knows what's best for me, I'm going to trust him, I'm going to walk what he's saying. So I want to finish by um, helping us think about more about this, this great God and, uh, and Father. And I began this morning, uh, earlier on, by reading Psalm 103. So I'm not going to read all of it now, but I am going to read some of it and then highlight a few bits. So, Psalm 103, verses 2 to 19. Do you want to do it together? Yeah. 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 Well, you can't. No, of course. So, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. 
The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not... Sorry. Oh, sorry, that's my fault. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Stop there. One more time. Verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So think of that as the, for, for, for my sake, the, the lynch verse of what all that we're reading about, all that we've said so far and all we're going to read. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Verse 14. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Can you feel it welling up inside of you? Do you want to go, hallelujah? Well, bless you, sister. Well, maybe I'll, I'll try a bit harder. Maybe we'll get there that we can really get excited about him. So, Psalm 103, we just read it. We're thinking about Father forever. What sort of father have we got? We've talked about good attributes of a father. But we discover that he forgives us completely. Our father forgives us. That's what he does. He forgives us. He lets us off. If you are still beating yourself up about something that you've said or done, if you can't forgive yourself, well, Father forever, he forgives you. God forgives you. Why don't you embrace what Father's doing and forgive yourself? Let yourself off the hook. Let yourself off what you owe God or somebody else. Forgive yourself. Our Father forgives us. He's full of love and compassion and mercy and kindness. It's his kindness that leads us to a place of repentance that we can truly turn from our wicked, sinful ways and turn to our Father, knowing he will forgive us. So if there's any lie that you believe around the fact that God is not going to forgive you, kick it out. Throw it away because your father forever is there to forgive. Don't think that he doesn't know and he doesn't understand because he knows 
us thoroughly. He knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows every secret. And so the thing is this. There's a saying from the recovery rooms. You're as sick as your secrets. God knows. So why keep it a secret? We try and keep secrets from ourselves. We try and keep secrets from others. <laughs> we try and keep secrets from God as if he doesn't know. And what it does, it makes us sick. It makes us ill. It makes us unwell. Because we live in the fear that one day they're going to find out, somebody's going to find out, shame is going to trap us. But when we boldly declare our stuff to God and a trusted person, because it breaks the power of the secret, it breaks the power of the secret, that when we confess our, our sins to God and to another trusted person, healing comes, James End of James. James 5 says, confess your sins to one another. I'm not saying tell all and sundry. I'm not saying put your dirty linen out in front of everyone. I'm saying go to God as honest as you can. Go to a trusted person. Confess and healing will come. You're as sick as your secrets. He knows anyway. He knows us. He knows us better than ourselves. He knows what we're capable of. He knows what, who we are and what we're made to do. So God speaks a better word than anyone else. His word is better for us. So we need to come to him because he knows us. We need to come to him because we know he forgives us. We need to come to him because we know and believe and get it he loves me. He loves you too. But I'm his favourite. Isn't that amazing how God makes us feel so special? But he loves you. You're his favourite too. He loves us so much with an everlasting love. He is Father forever. And we need him. And this world needs him. We can be in a mess, but we have got a forever Father who loves us. He forgives us. He knows us. He loves us. He has this is all from Psalm 103. He has compassion on us. He heals us. He rescues us. He's the sort of Father that when you fall into a hole, he'll come and pick you out of your pit. That's the sort of Father he is. He's a rescuer. He satisfies us with Good thing. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly have that. Oh, no, God wouldn't want me to have that. No, is that, that's the desire of your heart. I've put it there for you. Let me bless you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going prosperity gospel. And what I'm saying is this. Because he knows us and because he wants to be intimately entwined with us, he puts uh, desires within us that he wants to fulfill because they're to do with his purpose and his plans because he's the wonderful counsellor. Yeah, if you remember. And so I'm not saying that every prayer for a new Porsche or Ferrari or whatever will get answered. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying selfishness. But what I'm saying is, is that God wants us to flourish. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to become. He wants us to ride our bike and know freedom. So he satisfies us. 
And when you think of the life of Jesus, right? So, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace is next week with Nita, Everlasting Father. Is this Jesus? Is this the one we're talking about? Has Jesus fulfilled what we're talking about as a forever father? Even though he's not Father God, he did come to show us the Father. He did say that the Father and I are one, one God, three distinct different persons. But the character of Jesus is a good, loving, forever father. Do you get it? I'm not saying he is the father. He's Jesus, father's father, spirit, spirit, but all one God. I I believe in the Holy Trinity. Jesus lives it out. He lives it out on the pages of the New Testament. He lives it out in our lives. We can know it. We can experience it. We can live in the goodness of it. The king is coming. He will return. There'll be a fullness of all that I've spoken of. Your kingdom come, your will be done. A forever prayer for future. But it's a prayer for now as well. Father, I need you. I need you. Draw close to me. Let me know you. Let me know your love. And he will come and meet with us because that is his heart. Hallelujah. Yeah. Father, we thank you so much that you are our Father. Jesus, we thank you that you, being Messiah, are the, our Father forever. And so we pray that we would walk in greater knowledge and experience of you as our Father forever, as the everlasting Father. We need you. We need you to bring order into our chaos, in our personal lives, in our corporate lives, uh, Lord, in this world that we live in. Come, Father, we pray, and minister your grace to us. Amen. Amen. So I just want to say is don't reject his love. Don't reject his offer to draw close. Don't turn away from it. Run to him. Seek him. Seek him out. Find him. Meet with him. Get alone with him. Turn off the telly. Turn off the radio. Turn off Christian music. Get alone and be silent with your God. Meet with your father. Jesus said, go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen and he who sees what what is done in secret will reward you. If you want to meet with Father God, the promise is there. Don't reject him. Don't run from him. Run to him. Know his acceptance and love for you. Amen.